Uh, I would like to invite Ntando up here. Can we give him a hand as he comes? <laughs> Hi, Sam. <laughs> Clearly, Ntando knows Sam. <laughs> Clearly. Let me tell you how they know each other. Well, I don't know if you knew each other in Grahamstown. Did you know each other in Grahamstown? No. Or do Grahamstown people just like gravitate together? Do you all love each other? Both are true. Both are true. Okay, fantastic. So, Ntando studied at Rhodes University, and I, I remark this whenever I meet a Rhodes student, is that somehow they're always just smarter than anyone else I know. They just like can roll off words and concepts in a way that makes me feel like I need to go back to university. <laughs> but um, yes, so Ntando is from Grahamstown. Um, Ntando is really is passionate about the arts. Uh -huh. So he, do, he does a lot of work in the, art, the field of the arts. He has his own album. Yes, I do. And you, you said last service, Came two years. Two years ago, yeah. What's it about? What, I mean, what's so your... it's a Afro-soul, Afro-jazz album. And I basically use the concept of children's storytelling through music. So I took childhood games and childhood stories and I carved them to be um, melodies, beautiful jazz melodies or Afro-pop melodies. And so... Yeah. Nice. You all want that. What's the name of the album so they can it's go down? It's called Kwasugasugela, which means once upon a time, because I'm nice. telling a story. Nice, nice, nice. Um, he's also passionate about campus ministry. Yes. Which is so I great. I suppose once a campus minister, always a campus minister. <laughs> and, and every now and then I meet him at the gym. Yes. Usually I'm sweating harder than him. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And I'm strolling in with my bottle of water and she's like on the step but going for it. <laughs> um, but a time back when I did meet him, he mentioned to me that he was, he was living in pain. And um, recently I heard, and, and I know that it was a, a, a melody that was not able to be diagnosed. Yeah. You're going to tell a detailed story yeah. later, so I won't steal that thunder. Sure. <laughs> but, but I think what is remarkable is that he, he had a supernatural experience by which he is healed, and you've been healed for like a month. You've been working, walking in full healing. How for many? about three months, three to Three four. months, sorry, three months. Mm. Three months. I think that the Lord deserves a hand for that. <laughs> He's a walking testimony of the goodness of God. Yeah. So we are so delighted to have you Yay. here in Tandu. Thank you. Um, he serves at, the, uh, at Every Nation Rosebank in the evening service. He's on the leadership team there, and we're just so grateful to have you. Yeah. We are continuing with our Soul Matters series. Mm -hmm. And I, I had wanted to mention something. I was listening to some, some teachings this week, and uh, a theologian was talking about Genesis 3. You know, all know Genesis 3. It's that chapter in the Bible that no one wants to be there. It's where... <laughs> Because of the fall, uh, God is talking about the curse or the negative effects of their separation from God. And it talks about with Adam, you know it, how, how he will, um, that curse is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat it. Thanks, Adam. Um, and then it goes on and says, thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. And then verse 19, it says this, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. Yeah. Now, I've always imagined that meant that you're going to work really, really hard to put bread on the table. And maybe does the, the whole passage somehow means that. But that actual phrase, interestingly enough, comes from the, the milieu of the time. So they were using this phrase a lot, not only the Israelite nations, but other nations, the sweat of your face. And literally, other writings tell us that that phrase doesn't mean hard work. That phrase to them meant anxiety. 
Mm. It mean, you know, like when you're anxious, like sweat beads, can, you know, before you're doing an exam, you suddenly mm. s feel super hot. It's, it's that that they were talking about, that, that instead of producing work in a way that's free and full of life, that there will be anxiety involved in everyday life experiences because of our separation from God. So we want to talk a little bit about that today. Yeah. We want to talk about how God solves that and how he removes that curse through Jesus mm -hmm. and how we can all live free from anxiety. So we're, mm -hmm. go we're going to spend some time on that. Thank you, sure. Ntando. Sure. Um, I, feel like, I feel like to some degree, anxiety is ubiquitous. Mm. That's a big, big word. word. I know. I, I also heard it on this podcast. <laughs> I just thought I've got to find a place to use it. <laughs> Ubiquitous kind of means it's everywhere. It's mm. like in the air. Yeah. This, there's like anxiety in the air. It's kind of like a, uh, the way I describe it is like when you're watching a movie and that danger music starts. You know that danger music like this? Yeah, yeah. You can, you can feel it in the background and, and you're just waiting. You, you want to say to the actor on the screen, don't turn the corner. Mm. Don't, because you, you don't know what's going to happen, but that music is telling you when he turns that corner, it's going to be bad. Mm. It's going to be bad. There's going to be a lot of blood, horrible things. But I feel like we live in a world where there's almost like constant danger music somehow playing mm. in the back of our minds. Like this, this low-grade anxiety, watch out, something bad is going to happen. And I feel like God wants to set us free from that. Yeah, yeah. He wants us to live the kind of life that's full and free and hopeful and that we are wanting to turn the corner mm. yeah. so we can see the goodness that is waiting yeah. there for us. Agreed. He's going to silence that danger music, mm. silence that danger music in our lives. Yeah. So, so in Tando... And talk to me and tell me some things about anxiety in the, from the perspective of, you know, we all face mm. it to mm. some degree. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So, I mean, what does this danger music come with? Picture this. It's 2 a.m. You are struggling to sleep. You're tossing and you're turning and you're thinking. Perhaps you're starting a new job the next day and you're worried whether you'll be accepted, loved, whether you'll like it. Perhaps you are 33 and just recently married. You don't know what it means to be a husband or a wife, and you're trying to figure that out. Perhaps you're 43 with three kids and you're struggling to make ends meet. Perhaps you're 60 and your retirement plan hasn't worked out, so you can't spend time with your grandchildren as much as you'd hope to because you have to keep working. Perhaps you have a twitch in your arm and you know that Aunt Jane died of something that started with a twitch in her arm. And now you Google it, and Google tells you, cut off the whole arm. <laughs> Just cut it all off, you know. And you panic, and you're stricken with this worry, you know. Um, and and, you're, and, you, and you, you spend your time in thought and in worry and in despair. And, and what this all means, this trepidation, this worry, this panic, is that we're human beings. Yeah. That we're human beings. You know, uh, it's, it, it's that Jesus made us to be humans and put us on earth and he knew we're human beings. It doesn't mean that you're stupid. It doesn't mean that you don't have enough faith. It doesn't mean that you're not believing. It doesn't mean that you are subpar, that you're not emotionally developed. Because um, those are the lies we tend to believe. It simply means we are human beings. And it, and, and it doesn't mean that you're not Christian. You know, sometimes when stress happens, you're just like, I'm not a believer. I don't know what I am. And you choose to pick something else. But it means, in fact, I think you are Christian. You go through stuff so that Jesus can be seen through the stuff you go through, you know. Um, and so if you look at the Bible, there are a few characters that went through some stress. Abram had to sacrifice his son. Now, I don't have a child, but I can imagine having been told to sacrifice my child. If you tell me to sacrifice my shoes, I'm already, I'm already just panicked. 
Now, I can't imagine a human being that I've made in love that I must now sacrifice. Can you imagine how stressed Abraham must have been walking there the next morning? The Bible's very quick. It says he arose the next day after being told, and he went up. And can you imagine walking with Isaac and Isaac saying, Dad, I can't wait to have ice cream with you after this. And he's like, Yo, you don't know that you're not coming back. <laughs> what about Job, who lost everything and then got sick, as if he needed more things in his life? lost everything, and got sick. How stressed must he have been? How worried must he have been? What about Jonah in the belly of a fish? Now, fish stinks. Let's be honest. We love it, and it's great, but it doesn't smell great. Imagine being in the belly of a fish and wondering, is there oxygen? Like, can I breathe in here? How am I even breathing in this thing? Um, it, it was a worrying time. Also, am I going to come out of this? Where's this fish taking me? What's going on? He must have been worried. What about the three Hebrew boys who got thrown into the fire? You know, I think sometimes we read the scripture thinking they were standing like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, you are good. I don't think so. I think they were hopping in the fire because they couldn't believe that I'm not getting burnt. I'm here. But they were like, Yo, Jesus, you are keeping me and I'm not burning. But what is happening in this fire? I highly doubt they were sitting still. Um, in that moment, I think they were in awe of Jesus, but they weren't sitting still. And you know, to add on to that, Jesus battled with anxiety and worry for heaven's sake. Yes, yes, yes. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the day before he was crucified, he went to pray and he was stressed. And you know, Luke 20, 22 verse 44 says, In his anguish he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like blood falling to the ground. And the Bible tells us that he cried out to God and an angel strengthened him. And when he prayed more, and he prayed more still, but blood came out. He fought through his fear and his anxiety didn't win. You know, and I think there's something there for us to take. That anxiety and fear, panic and fear will come, but we are meant to fight through it with Jesus so that we go through it. It's not meant to dominate us. It's not meant to own us. It's not meant to silence us. It's meant to help us. It's meant to help us get close to God so that he can help us walk through it. There is hope on the other side of anxiety, on the other side of pain, on the other side of worry, on the other side of panic. And they like to come be our companions, our false companions, and they want to take the place of Jesus. But it's our responsibility to allow God to be our one and only companion, our good shepherd that helps us walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because you don't, the Bible doesn't say they sat through the valley of the shadow of death. They walked through. He leads us through it. You know. So what am I saying? Stresses will come. Life will happen. But it's not meant to own us. It's not meant to dominate us. God's plan is not a life that is drenched in fear. It's one that is in calm instead of chaos. One that is in peace instead of panic. That's good. So great. Yeah. So great. And Tando, I know, I know that you have walked a very interesting road. And mm. I, I mean, I, I've watched you over the years from a distance, sometimes close at the gym, yeah. but, but mostly, <laughs> mostly from a distance. And, uh, you know, that... I, what I've noticed is that you, you've really pr you've pressed through some hard mm, stuff mm. and you've, you've come out shining. I'd love you to share some of that testimony. All right. Before I share that testimony, I just want to say that, you know, not all stress is bad. Some stress is good for us because the first time I had to jump onto a stage and sing, boy, oh boy. In fact, I was tricked into singing the very first time I ever led worship. I was tricked because I was such an anxious kid. 
So what they did is that the senior pastor decided, I'm going to talk to the worship leader, so you need to lead the song, Karen leading the song, and I'm going to talk to the worship leader about something directional in the service. So she went and spoke to the senior pastor, and I had to continue the song. And I was just like, and I closed my eyes, I was this great seven-year boy, and I head down, and I just carried on singing. I looked up, and to my amazement, everyone was worshipping and engaging at a level deeper than they were a few minutes before that. And that's for the first time I was like, aha, I am a worship leader, and I can do this. So not all stress is bad. Some stress is good for us because it helps us navigate towards our calling, towards the things we're meant to do. But, you know, part of my story is that I lost my mother in 2012. Um, and I'd lost my dad before that. And they all quite died. They both died in quite a similar fashion. Sick, announced to be sick on the weekend. On the Thursday, they passed away. I found out she had passed away on social media. Um, yeah, you know, social media. Um, someone posted a condolence message. And I was like, condolence? But then I had to go home. And soon after that, funeral proceedings happened. And I had to go back. I had recently moved to Port Elizabeth. I was done with my time in Grahamstown. And I was starting a new ministry journey in Port Elizabeth. I had been asked to be a worship pastor and a discipleship pastor. Two big roles for a congregation that big as well. And I'm fresh out of Year of Your Life. So I had no clue what I was meant to do. But there I was, full of faith. And so my mother passes away a month and a bit into my stay there. I know no one in Port Elizabeth. I haven't built deep, deep relationships at that point. I'm feeling quite alone at that time. Funny enough, Busi and a friend of mine, Precious, were there every weekend. They just skip and come to visit me often to pray, to sit, to eat. Um, but in that time, I wasn't quite allowed to grieve. And by that I mean... I made a decision to not grieve based on the circumstances around me. So part of the things that happened is that I was once told, you cannot let your mom's death be an excuse to slack off in your work. And this was a week after I buried my mother. And so I kind of just made a decision that, well, there's no grieving that's going to take place here. I shut it down. And I, I wasn't quite aware that I was doing that, but I realized in retrospect that I actually paused my grief. But unfortunately, like the poem said, your, my stresses affected my body. I, my body then took on this, this grief and this worry and this panic and I developed some weird sickness that shut down half my body and it was a nerve condition that started the root stems going down and no one could tell what it was. I got misdiagnosed about five times. I spent so much money in hospitals and it just wasn't coming together. No one could help me. Um, Thank God for my therapist at the time and discipleship because they were like, leave the city. What you need to do is move here because this is a stressful place for you. So eventually I moved. Fast forward, last year it comes back worse than ever before. Worse than it's ever been. I've never felt that amount of pain ever. Um, I was probably taking over 18 tablets a day and I was on an injection drip every other day. Go going to hospital was just part of life. Um, and so it comes back, it's worse than before and I remember... Every time at 3 a.m. it would hit, this pain, this, this, this debilitating pain would hit, and I would not know what to do. And I would sit on my bed, and the only way I'd find comfort is to go on the tiles, because they were cold. So I would roll on the, on the floor, praying in tongues, and, you know, just sharadaba, roll, sharadaba, roll. And, you know, and tongues were because I knew that Jesus need to, needed to come, but I had no strength to utter words. So I was just like, sharadaba, and I'd roll on those tiles for a while. And the pain would be there from 3 till about 8 a.m. every day. Then I need to wake up and go to work or live life at some level. Um, 
And then in that process, I remember being so offended with God that he's not healing me instantly. That I know that he's a healer, that he's big, that he's able, but I'm not being healed. The, the pain, I've lost my mom, now I'm not being healed. I don't know what must happen. And I, I, I remember saying to God, I just need a break. I feel like I need a break. And you know, but in that moment, I realized that every time there was a month where I had suicidal thoughts, like the worst ever, and I would have a plan that this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to roll down the stairs because my room was quite close to the staircase, and I'm going to go to the pool, which was quite dirty, FYI. And so I wanted to drown myself in the pool. I had such good, peaceful thoughts of myself drowning and it all ending in that pool. But the more I thought about that, the more Jesus' presence would manifest in my room. Um, to give you an idea, have you seen a smoke machine? How it just goes shh and there's suddenly a cloud of smoke. Something similar to that would happen. Not as dramatic, but something similar would happen. I would be sitting on my bed and I would sense Jesus' presence right next to me. And I'd feel the warmth and the embrace. And even then I was like, Jesus, you're going to sit here, but you're not going to take the pain away? What is happening? And you begin to start thinking, is it because I'm the worst sinner in the world? Is it because of that? Is it because of that? Is it because? You know, you put scenarios of why you won't be getting the healing that you want in the way that you want it. In retrospect, I look back and I realize that what I gained from Jesus sitting next to me is intimacy with him, is knowing him and knowing that he promised to be there with me through the fire. Um, and, and, and he told us, the Bible tells us that we'll have troubles, but then he says he'll be with us. And so I learned in that space that, oh, this is what you mean by you're with me. I'm still a human being on earth facing trials, but you're with me and you're holding my hand. And so that was one of the, my take-homes in that moment. And I, was, and, I, and I remember being so bothered that I'm not healed, but I realized that my healing came much later. It came this year at a school of healing the human soul that Pastor Carol graciously organized with Pastor Jim Lafoon. And she got up, I don't know if it was you or Pastor Jim who said, there's sickness in this country and all our ministers are getting sick and enough is enough. And we got up and we prayed. And as we prayed, I didn't feel any magic or any goosebumps or anything. I promise you, I just prayed. And then I realized after that, it's gone. No pain. And I've never had pain since then. And I haven't taken meds since then. I just want to double click on yeah. that Jesus manifested like yeah. a smoke machine in your room because what I don't want people to go away with thinking that that their their experience that doesn't exactly yes. feel like that is now invalid, yes. you know. So just describe that a little bit. I mean, did you actually see smoke? So I didn't actually see smoke. Good question. <laughs> uh, but it felt like you know when you're sitting in a steam room, that warmth that you feel in that room. That's what it felt like. So the temperature in my room would change. And I think it was a bit more specific for me because I was crying out for some kind of help or my life was ending. But it was just the, the manifest presence of God, the same way when we worship and you can tell that the Holy Spirit is now moving in the room. That's exactly what would happen in my room. I would just feel the increased manifest presence of Jesus in my room. So I didn't necessarily see a person like I'm seeing Pastor Carol and I didn't necessarily hear shh you know, like smoke machines do, but I definitely felt an increase of the presence of God in my room, and I knew Jesus was with me. So helpful. Yeah. Thank you so much. You know, uh, when I was reading through your notes, there's something that struck me that was so helpful. It's the acronym you use, yeah. CALM, that yeah. CALM. So talk, talk through the calming um, practices that mm. you have learned out of the Bible. Yeah. So Philippians 4 says to us, rejoice in the Lord always. 
I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and God and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you will be concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstance. I know that I know what it is to be in need and I know what it means to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every and any situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, as I was thinking about this, um, I, I kind of devised an a acronym for CALM because I believe God has called us to live a life of CALM and not chaos. And through the chaos leads to CALM. So C stands for celebrate. Celebrate God. You know, so I'm not saying to you just celebrate <laughs> and be pretentious, celebrate in the midst. I'm just saying celebrate God because Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He's saying this with chains dangling yeah, in a prison. Do you know how stressful a prison is? Well, you don't. I hope you don't. <laughs> but have you seen series and how stressful a prison can be? And the executioner was probably walking the, the corridors. Danger music. <laughs> And you know, the executioner was probably walking around looking at the next person's life to end. So how stressed must have Paul been? But he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And you know, for me, I think what he's saying is don't meditate on the mess. Yeah. The more you fix your eyes on the problem, the bigger it will become. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think he's saying face the fact, but remember the truth. Yeah. So the fact is I am stressed currently or I am overwhelmed. You know, stress doesn't begin as stress. You first get overwhelmed by a feeling. You get overwhelmed by something, an event that happens. And then what you do with that can either lead to stress, panic, or whatever the case may be. So when I am overwhelmed, that is a sign that something is happening internally. And it's my moment to cry out to God at some level, or people at some level. But Paul says we must rejoice so that we don't fix our eyes on the problem. Because when you fix your eye on the problem, then your perspective will be, on doom, will be of doom and gloom. But if I look at Jesus and in in, in my perspective will shift, what seems big will seem small because God is bigger than anything we face. I think we live in a society that is quick to, big, to make labels bigger than God. And I'm not trying to belittle anyone who's going through anything, but I know that depression is big in our culture right now and all these other things. But God is bigger than those things. And the only way you learn that, that God is bigger than depression, God is bigger than stress, God is bigger than lack, is that you, fo you focus on him and you face him. So great. Psalm 121 verse 2 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. You know, sometimes you need to s take stock. Does God have a good track record? Think about five years ago and the biggest thing that happened there that you thought was going to take you out. Yet you're here now. So let's meditate on the, thing, the good things that God has done and not in some pretentious way. So I'm not saying, say, oh, all is well, my brother. I'm too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed. That's not what I'm saying do. <laughs> because sometimes as Christians, and what makes the world think we're not relatable is that 
you'll be clearly sad, and I'll say, what's wrong, Pastor Carol? And you say, I'm blessed. <laughs> you know? Whereas she could have said, well, there's some crisis happening in my family, and I'm saddened by that. That way, I know what's going on at some level. She doesn't need to disclose everything because she's not comfortable, but she's given me some kind of context, and we're real. So I don't, I'm not saying be pretentious, you know, but I am saying that we must be a people that are able to, to focus on God and to celebrate what God has done and who he is to us, and that he's kept us through the years, through the seasons that we thought would take us out. When my mother died, I was convinced I wasn't going to live long. I couldn't imagine a world without parents. And she wasn't perfect or anything, but I just couldn't picture that she was gone. But here I am, many years later. I miss her and I love her and I mourn and I grieve often, but I'm standing and I'm better than what I imagined I'd ever be. So put God to test in the sense that does he have a good track record? Is he big? Is he able? Can he put you through that stuff that you're going through? Can he see you through that? And the chances are it'll be yes. And that's what you celebrate. Because acknowledging God helps me dethrone myself and my standards of how to confront life and its stresses. So when you acknowledge that I cannot do this, God is then able to say, well, we're going to walk this together. You're going to start like this and it's one step at a time. And often I think we don't want to stay in the process. We want instant thing, instant gratification. Whereas God is interested in process because in process we become more like him. The second letter of calm is A. Which for me, I've said, ask God for help. Why do we not ask God for help? God is present. He's willing. He's able. He's there. He sent his only son to die for us. There is no greater love than that. But we want to do life on our own outside of God. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, let your request be made known to God. Now stress either triggers despair or prayer. One of the two. Yet the path to peace is paved with prayer. So the only way we can access peace is if we ask God for help, which is prayer. Giving our lives, giving our stuff to God. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now there's this thing we do as believers where we just say, God help me. And God will help you. God does help us and is able to help us. But those God help me prayers... Um, don't yield an intimacy. What do I mean by that? I believe that if we, something I've called itemized prayer, if we itemize our request that right now, God, I'm overwhelmed because I'm about to walk in and make the biggest presentation of my life that determines whether my business is going to kick off or not. I am so stressed, I am panicked, and I need peace, and I need your strategy, and I need your wisdom, and I need to be articulate in this meeting so I can be heard. That clear this is what I need, this is what I'm asking you for, enables us to be in intimacy with God and re deeper relationship with God. Because if I ask Pastor Carol how she is, and she just says, fine, thanks. I have no idea. I'm just, I, I don't know it's what's happening. There's no relationship value. There's nothing that I just know that Pastor Carol's fine, thanks. Whereas even if she's good, she can say, I'm good. Church was good. God is good. I love what I do. At least I've got context of what she is going through. So I think with God, we need to be people who itemize our prayer. And I'm not saying be needy. I'm not saying make your relationship need-based. But I'm saying be present in your relationship with God. Be present to say the things that you are going and battling through as opposed to pretending. Yeah, that's because that's what causes us to fall. 
I just you said prayer is the pathway yeah. to peace. I yes. love all those P's, but pretending is not the pathway to peace. Definitely not. Yeah, 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 just, yeah. Just saying, where's Andrew when I need? You have a poet in this house. <laughs> so, declaring and decreeing is not meant to be manipulation. And I think sometimes as believers, we're so we we choose to stand on I declare, and I decree, which is powerful and good but it shouldn't be at the expense of our intimacy and relationship with God. Because then we're using God as a genie. We're saying, rub, 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 three wishes, amen. Which steals the power and the joy of the salvation and working it out. The Isaiah 66 says, put the Lord in remembrance. You put the Lord in remembrance not because he's forgotten who he is, but because we need our hearts to align to the truth of who he is. So when I remind God that God, you said you will keep me from falling. When I'm tempted... Because I'm a human being and I'm tempted to do whatever I want to do that I know is wrong. I put God in remembrance. Mm, you said you will keep me from falling. You are able to. So in this time where I'm tempted to do this, I would like your help, God. And that already begins to remind me that God is big and able and that it's not worth it. And then I align to the truth of God keeping me. There's also this thing on social media that says, check in on your strong friends. Now, I get the heart of that, but I want to encourage us to not be strong friends. Because the Bible actually doesn't want us to be strong. It wants us to be weak, and so Jesus can be strong in us, and then we boast in his strength. So this idea of, I'm just going to be strong, because oftentimes people who are strong pretend that they're fine. And Pastor Carol has given us a great line about pretense. So let's be a people who share vulnerably. You know, asking God for help sometimes comes through people. I can't tell you how many times I was fed when I was sick. I was taken to hospital. Some people paid bills I don't even know about till this day. Some people made meals. I was so amazed at how much the community around me were, were so invested in me getting better. Some people sent texts. Some people came to cook. Some people brought meals. Some people just came with flowers. But point is, me saying, I'm not okay, I need help, opened the avenue for God to provide directly and through people. So let's be people who ask for help from God and from our community. Which leads me to L, which is leave your concerns with God. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, cast your burdens unto Jesus for he cares. Some versions say, cast your anxieties unto God for he cares. Now, it doesn't say partially give. It says cast. You know when you vote, you cast your vote and then whatever decision you've made there, you've made it. There's no erasing. There's no tipexing. In fact, you ruin the ballot sheet when you do that. So you cast your, your vote. And so God is saying, cast your anxieties to me, which means give them and leave them with me. You know when you take something in for repairs, your phone, your car, your for service or whatever it may be, do you go with the sleeping bag and, and roll it there and be like, I'm just going to wait here in case they need my help in case they need my wisdom, in case they need the knowledge I have about this car. Well, you don't even know what's wrong with the car. You just know there's a sound, but you want to sit there, you know? We don't do that. We don't sit there. We, we leave it there, and we let the people who are good at that do what they're good at. And then we collect it when it's done. We don't actually just stay there and participate. And I think similarly, when it comes to God, we need to be a people who are trusting of God, who leave our concerns with God and know that he's the author and perfecter of our faith and that he's able to do the things that he promised he would do because when i'm there going 
Are you ready? Are you ready? Is it done? Is it done? Is it done? I miss out on the beauty of the journey that I'm on because I'm focusing on one thing. And oftentimes, stress wants you to focus on it only. It's there to distract us. It wants you to forget God and just focus on it. Have you think of a child that asks, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? It's quite like, oh, and I'm not saying God gets annoyed with us, but that child misses out on the beauty of the view, looking at the hills, looking at the cows, looking at cars, the experience of the journey they miss out on. And all they end up being fixated by is whether they're going to get there or not. You know? And so let's not be people who miss out on the beauty. I think we need to resign from being in charge. The best way for this is to resign from being in charge. Make a decision today that I am resigning from being in charge. I'm resigning from being in control. Because anyway, I cannot make things happen for myself. Jesus is the one who does that for us. Isaiah 43 says, I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire... You shall not burn, and the flame shall not consume you. God is kind to us. He gives us an identity, you are mine. Then he tells us that when you walk through the waters, they won't overwhelm you. Yeah. The fires won't burn you, and they won't consume you. You know, And, I, and that reminds me that stress and gratitude cannot coexist. In your most stressful moment, and I had one of those this week, I was going to go into one of, one of those meetings where you're just like, oh, this is not a good meeting. And I remember being panicked about it because I'm in a new role in, in Rosebank and I'm just like, mm, I don't know, I don't want to overstep toes, but I really want to tell the truth. And so I was panicked. And then Jesus said, what about your CALM acronym? <laughs> and I was like, oh. So I took a moment and I said, okay, see, celebrate God. I was like, God, you're good. You opened this door and you knew why I'm the one for this job. So Lord, I just pray for peace right now. And I thought, hey, and I was like, I'm asking you to help me. I'm asking you to guard what I say. Because I'm quite a harsh speaker. Like, I'll say my mind, and then I'll be like, yo, sorry, afterwards. <laughs> so I was like, Lord, please help me say the right things that will be heard, as opposed to just break down people. And then I left it with him, you know. Um, I'll tell you the last M <laughs> just now. But stress and gratitude cannot coexist. So when you are most stressed, to focus on who God is and be grateful for the things he has done will immediately shift something in you. Try it. Try, I promise you, if you just begin to think at, okay, sometimes be practical. Lord, I'm so grateful for the air that I'm breathing in. I'm grateful that I'm standing here and that I'm alive and that I get the opportunity to go into this meeting. That alone will shift something in you. And, 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 and even your brain function will shift to an attitude of being grateful instead of stress and panic. True. So when we leave our concerns with God, rest is unlocked in us. We can only rest when we've left our stuff with God. While I'm carrying it, I'm the one in charge. When I've left it with him, I can rest in him. And I will learn what rest looks like. Because how Pastor Carol rests, rests in God is completely different from I rest in God or what it looks like will be different. But it's the same rest. It's the same taking off our burdens that Christ does for both of us. So as you leave your concerns, rest will be unlocked. Which leads me to M, which is meditate on these things. The Bible says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. 
And what I want to say here is that what you spend time on is what will come out when you are under pressure. If you spend time in the Word and spend time with God, you are filled with God. You know, I remember in primary school, they were trying to teach us about how the Holy Spirit comes in us, and they made black tea, and then they came with milk, and they kept pouring the milk, and the color of the tea changed, and it changed, and it changed, and it changed, and before we knew it, it was white. It was a milky, very milky color, and they were saying, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He changes the substance of who you are, and I'm realizing that the more you let the Holy Spirit and the Word fill you, the more change takes place in you. The more substance becomes, your substance, the things that make you become Christ-like and less you-like. You know what I mean? And we must aspire to be like Christ. And so as I meditate on what is true, what is right, and I like the scripture says, whatever you see in me, which means spend time with me to see things in me. And the only way we see things in him is if we read our word. Is if we pray, is if we worship, is spend time with Him. The more time I spend with God, the more I begin to change. And your know, God speaks to us. He speaks to us and He speaks to us differently, but He's so present and He's always talking to us and always communicating with us. So when I meditate on good things of God and who He is, the stresses decrease because He also gives us the tools to handle life and to navigate life. You know, sometimes I look at young people who are so panicked about work. I don't know about Ramsach, but I know in Rosebank. People want to please their bosses at a high level. They will not le take leave. They will not rest. They will, not. they will just focus on work, 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 work. And I've been asking my connect group and the guys at Disciple that, do you believe that Jesus is productive? Because if you believe that Jesus is productive, then you will trust the way he teaches you how to do work and do life. You will not use your own plan. You will meditate on him. And as you do that, he will give you a strategy on how to work well and rest well. Because he rested. That's right. So Philippians 2 verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ. So the more I meditate on God and his word, what's happening to my mind is that I'm taking on the mind of Christ. And I'm becoming more like Christ. We cannot control our circumstances, but we can control how we respond. So life will happen, and life is promised to happen to us. But how I respond is my decision. And so meditating on God and his word, for me, I've listed a few things, brings me closer to him. Secondly, it anchors my soul. So when winds come, I'm anchored. You know, an anchor holds that ship. It, it's part of the stability and so when, I'm, when I meditate on God, my soul becomes anchored instead of being moved by whatever's happening. It aligns me to truth. At that moment, as I'm saying, God, you're good and you're able to do this and you are able to keep me from falling and you're the creator of the earth and you gave your one and only son for me, I align to truth and, I, and, and the lies begin to be silenced. And the enemy uses the same pattern with us. He'll yep, 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 lies at us so that we panic. But the more I, I, I meditate on God, the more I align to the truth. It also sanctifies me. I become more like Christ. The more time I spend with God, the more like Christ I become. But my favorite one, not that the others are least favorite, but my favorite one is that it breaks our labels off. We live in a society where labels are so big. No matter where we are, there is a label for it. You are this, you are that, you are that. And you know, when we go through stuff, the enemy sends lies on us and we, be, we take them on as our identity. So just because you are stressed today or you're having a sad day today, then you decide that you are depressed unless you're diagnosed with it. And even if you're, you're diagnosed with depression, it cannot be your identity. 
Because God is bigger than the depression. God is bigger than the anxiety. God is bigger than the panic. God is bigger than the worry. God is bigger than the pain. Some of us have a propensity towards being in pain and staying in pain. Because it's all we know. We've become friends of pain. And God is bigger than that. So when I spend time with God, he's able to start saying, "Mm, Carol, I think you are too sad. Every day you're sad and your quiet time is about sadness every day. Something is wrong here. Let's give you some joy, daughter. And then something happens. Me is God. (laughs) I'm God right now. (laughs) But you know what happens that when I spend time with God, the lies I've believed break off. And God begins to breathe in his new identity over me. And that which I've come into agreement with that is not of God goes. And I guess in closing, I want you to know that remember who you are and who God is. Nothing gets to define us outside of God. It will try. That's not to say things won't try. And that's why we get stressed and overwhelmed. But nothing gets to define us outside of God. Whose enemy, whose, (laughs) no, whose enemy, whose report shall we believe? The Lord's or the enemy's? The Lord's or the enemy's? Because that's what life is about. Navigating and figuring out the truth of who God says we are in the things that we face. You know, I I love that you ended on that point. I feel like identity is one of the biggest Mm. issues that we face. Really, in in what comes against us in life, I think one of the biggest things that the devil is trying to do is rob us of our identity as sons and daughters of the Most High God. To try and put something on us. We feel like we have to mold ourselves to Mm. that. Mm. Mm. And I I feel like it defines so much about us. So I I just love that point. But I know you had one last scripture that you, you kind of wanted to bring up. And I'd love you to just Isaiah put that one up. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What I love about the scripture, it says those who hope, which is a doing word. We have a, we have a role to play in this relationship, which is to put our hope in Christ. And as we put our hope in Christ, then we'll mount up on wings like eagles. And then we'll run and not faint and, and, and not grow weary. But there's a responsibility on our part to bring ourselves to God and to say, God, today is a bad day. And I'm, but despite that, I am choosing you and I'm putting my hope in you. I think we need to settle whether, the respon- whether we believe that Jesus is the solution to everything we face. If we don't sit in a disposition of Jesus is the answer to everything I face and he has a solution for everything, whether it's world problems in the newspaper or personal life or whatever it may be, there is a solution that Jesus has and he is the solution and he can give us divine strategy for those things. And so I think the scripture for me is an encouragement that as I decide to put my hope in Christ, I will then see the work of God happening through me and through my life and for me. Because God is for me and he sees us. And I think we need to be a people who, who understand that in our, in, in our walk with God, it's an active process with God. It's not, God doesn't drag us along. Or at least doesn't desire to drag us along. Sometimes he'll drag you, he's like, hey bro. But his desire isn't that I'm dragging you down. It's that we're walking together. And we're in companionship and partnership with God. And then he leads us to the different things of our life. And so let's be a people whose posture is hand out towards God. So that we can allow him to wash us with his peace. To give us a, a sense of calm. But also to lead us to not be a people who respond to everything through panic and worry. Which is the tendency as human beings. So great. So great.
I just sense the Lord saying that some of us that are standing or some of us in this room have this belief that good things won't come to us that um, things seem like they're working out and then they fall apart and just when they're about to work out they fall apart and I just sense the Lord saying I am a God who's good and I'm a redeeming God and I'm able to break that cycle and I just hear the Lord saying partner with me daughter partner with me son and the strength and the truth of who I am because when I look at you I am pleased with you and I've placed a great destiny in you and nothing will stop you from accessing the things that I have for you and so Lord this morning I pray that the yoke of panic, fear, and stress would be broken in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for your freedom, for life, and for joy to fill every heart. Father, I pray that every mind here would be a mind in you, Lord Jesus. I speak against thoughts that are of panic, thoughts that are of worry. And Lord, I even break the propensity towards being worried and being stressed. That Lord, we'd be a people who run to you because your name is a strong tower for the righteous to run into it. And so Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would break every stronghold, every chain that has kept us in panic and worry and in fear. And Lord, I pray that stress wouldn't be the author of our life. That we would realign with you being king and being God and being big and being able, Lord God. Father, I just just pray right now that your mercy will flow, that your rivers of mercy would flow, that your joy will flow out, that peace will flow out, that your love, Lord God, will flow out. I pray, Father, that we would align, that everyone standing would align to who you say they are and to who you are, God. Father, we silence the harassment of the enemy in Jesus' name. Father, where our ears have gone fond of the enemy's voice instead of yours, I break that in Jesus' name. And thank you that in your word you say, My sheep know my voice and I know them. And so, Father, I speak a hearing of you, a hearing of you, an intimacy, Lord God, to be birthed in every life and every heart. And for Lord, for those who are stricken with grief, I pray that you draw closer to them. Father, in this time, that your comfort and love would surround them, Lord God. I pray for hope to arise in every heart, Lord God. Thank you that you are Christ in us, the hope of glory. And I release that, Lord God. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Let all the other names fade away, God. Let all the other labels fade away. And may you remain, may you remain the constant and the one that we stand on. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you. We just seal that work. We just speak to these souls and we say be free. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.